watch cartoons We'll take a look back at where we've been So let's hop into our time machine Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine I'm Scarlett, and I'm not joined today uh, by my co-animate, Katie, uh, who is out at the moment. Uh, so instead, uh, please welcome back to the show, Jack. And I'm Katie. <laughs> no, you're not. You're Jack. Okay. I'll be Jack. Identity theft is not a joke, Jack. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to show up and be someone else then. Well, pre appreciate having you here as always. Um, you've so you you've been on for our Vox Machina episodes. Yep. You're here for Gra you were you weren't here for. Gravity I wasn't Falls. here for Gravity Falls. I was here for our Young Justice. Yes, we chatted Young chat Justice, along, right? Because yes. because I remember you, you still say you still knew all the lyrics to the uh, to the soda song. Become a citizen. Okay, well, I can do that. <laughs> I, I, I was genuinely impressed. I, I have to say, um, but yeah, I, welcome welcome back. Um, so you you are uh, of of all of our friends, I would say so something something of an of a awards junkie, a a a new a new entertainment industry news junkie. You, you tend to know a lot more than than I do about uh, what's going on oh, in the industry. I, mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I mean, I guess it it helps that I can just kind of refresh those pages at work. So like when it says this was posted five minutes ago, it's going to be me because I was on Reddit on r slash movie <laughs> look don't don't count yourself dad you you are very knowledgeable um which is why i'm glad we've got you here this week because uh the oscars are this coming sunday uh which will be ju just after uh, this episode is posted um and uh get get your listens in before the oscars begins yeah, this is you know if you want to get uh, when when your local uh, office uh, Oscar pool, uh, this is uh, possibly a good episode to listen to because uh, we're gonna be chatting about the five films that have been nominated for best animated feature. Um, it's uh, we we've seen all of them, um, which I feel like is rare for me. I feel like I I that's true. I and you know what I think it's because it, correct me if I'm wrong. All five ones are American this year. I I do believe that is true. Yes. Yeah. So sort of to to list out all of yeah, the, the nominees them, yeah. this year, um, we have uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This is not the Pauly Shore one, and or the Zemeckis or one. The Zemeckis one. Why were there three Pinocchio movies this year? Yeah, this was, however, the best one. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, and then we also have uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. We have Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. We have The Sea Beast. And we have Turning Red. It's a good list. It's a good list. Yeah. I mean, I, f I feel like in, in previous years, the things that have caught me off guard is that unlike Katie, who is a scholar of world cinema, shall we say, um, I generally have a much harder time uh, watching foreign movies. Uh, I generally like them when I see them. It's not any kind of personal bias. It's just... They're usually less accessible. It's often harder to watch them. They're not just readily available on Netflix necessarily. Right. Some of them might not even be out in the United States for half a year it, or a right. year after it premieres elsewhere. Yeah. Not that in the age of widespread technology and internet, it 
I couldn't find it. I think if yeah, I ever yeah. if I ever wanted to really make the effort, I probably could find it. And that should just be something I work on is, you know, making and Katie has been wonderful about expanding my horizons on that level. So going going forward, I'm gonna try to do that. But this year's Oscars didn't give this me the opportunity. Year, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the closest to a foreign one would have would have been Pinocchio, uh, which I don't know if it was if it was a Spanish co-production just because like I right. feel or, or his, no, he's, he's Mexican. I I yes, always get that Mex- right. I always get that wrong because of Pan's Labyrinth taking place in Spain. Right. I think I I I associate that movie so strongly with Guillermo del Toro. I forget that he's Mexican, not Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but no, definitely. I think that that could be a case because I believe his production company is based in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but the very least, if if it was the case, why wouldn't Mexico select it as its best international? Oh, did they not? Well, I don't believe so. No. I didn't hear anything about that. So, and then you assume... and you hear all. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're... I know there was um, sort of on on the topic of just nominations themselves. There was a lot of debate and discussion. I know within the Academy about one of the nominees and even its eligibility mm. with Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Yeah. Um, because it is, you know, very largely, you know, an animated film there. It's, it's you know, a, a, a you know, stop motion um, animation, um, but it very clearly takes place in the real world. Yeah. Um, so there was the debate over basically how much, of this film is animated and i believe that there's a limit of around like 75 percent the film has to have a traditionally you know animated right aspect to it I, which I, it, yeah. very, it very clearly does because it's all he's in basically the whole film being I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it comes down to literal shot like the number of shots that have yeah. animation in it mm-hmm. um and yeah i think i think i heard something like 75 percent yeah. um, which yeah marcel will will pass that yes. easily. Um, and yeah. I'm very glad that it did. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm super happy it's in there. I mean, I think I think on, on some level, I think you should just give it, you know, regardless of, like, the numbers. Like, is the animation itself worthy of an award? And is there enough of it that it is, like, feature length? Like, it's not just, you know, because we have a short film category for that as well. Right. Um, but there is enough animation for it to be a feature film, and I thought it was spectacular stop-motion animation. Um it's really a charming movie. Um, interesting to note that this year we have two stop motion animated films of the five nominees. Yes, which I it, it was many years go by where we don't even have a single one. No. And there there was a solid chance it could have been three with Wendell and Wild, but uh, yeah. that didn't end up making the cut. It seems. No, no, it didn't. And we'll we'll talk later. I think about uh, other animated movies we we think should have made it in or ones that we time to boot up an extra tab just for that the yes. reference in the future <laughs> be, be prepared for that um but yeah why don't we why don't we sort of go through uh in in sort of general terms uh these five nominees uh two of them uh got their own episode on this show uh, pinocchio and turning red uh pinocchio i was here with our uh, producer rachel uh, to discuss that and, and Turning Red. I think, was she here also for our Turning Red episode? I think she might have been. That's possible. At the very least, to discuss, like, I feel like, I don't remember that podcast, but I feel like you guys had to have mentioned the amazing dance contest that we uh, we did, which Rachel won at Disney's own El Capitan Theater. Yeah, because she was she, she's a, a trained dancer, and she was just doing great, and she deserved to win those turning red headphones, which were adorable. Um, and not not expensive. 
No, no, good, it was a good, good prize. Good, 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 good prize. Good prize. We were all decked out in early 2000s gear and dancing to not early 2000s music, really. Right, I remember. I remember, I remember finding that really, we're totally off topic now. Which Absolutely. Te- which, which tells you that you are a, a fitting substitute co-host. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I remember being like, okay, we were promised like a 2000s dance party. Why is all this music from like 2015? I do wonder if also part of it is the thought of, a dance party for the kids mm-hmm. who would know the Don't music say it. more Don't from say it. Don't say it. <laughs> yeah. But also it feels like the 2000s music went a little bit more edgier usually. So I don't know if they'd be good playing that in the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, we, I feel like in hindsight, we, we, we were as like five-year-olds dancing to some uh, early 2000s songs that we probably shouldn't have been doing. So yeah. I don't know, that stuff was great. Uh, anyway, let's. Uh, well, while we're on turning red, I think that's that was a good place that was a good place to start. Because I think it's the it's the movie that came out first. That's true. This, that's that a good way year. to format. I yeah, think. Going I, I think so. The year. Yeah, let's go. Let's go through the year. Um, turning red as uh, Pixar's contribution to this list list this year. Uh, yep. Their other film, Lightyear, did not make the list. No. Um, Definitely, and in terms of just Disney overall, overall, their other other film, Strange World, did also not didn't make it. the list. Um, and I think this is kind of just like. a easy clear choice if you are disney and looking at the film that you feel can possibly you know make a shot at this award it's turning red it's i know you talked about on the podcast of course but you know the way that you had such a deep sense of these kids lives growing up and going through such a tough period in (laughs) life (laughs) yeah (laughs) but actually again like of the topic where they delve into that stuff and you don't get that in kids you know media and entertainment when kids are going to be around that age and watching these films still yeah and they see something on this film it's like i can viscerally relate to this you know this angst to this embarrassment Mm -hmm. um (laughs) there's lots of great embarrassing moments in that film oh yeah um and just also the joy of of being a kid at that time and um and the way that it also in turn also uh delves into generational trauma and Mm. the way that you know we pass on basically our sins to our kids Mm. um and how in some ways uh those kids can help to heal you as well yeah. Is a very touching message. I I agree, and we won't go into to just deep spoilers on any of these uh, movies, especially since Turning Red. We already did such a such an in depth discussion right. of. Um, but yeah, I I think first of all, I think we're in definitely in an era where generational trauma is becoming a really central point in animated movies, which I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like I think there there were even Strange Worlds touched on that. Um, I I think there's a definite lot of, of focus on that now which maybe speaks to this current generation of storytellers and the things that they went through and also things that we're comfortable you know putting in movies I think right. it I think it especially in in kids movies I think it kind of was a little taboo uh to criticize parents too strongly I think you know it, you know I feel like in our generation we more got the parents are lame and they just don't understand whereas I think in order to have a story about generational trauma you have to humanize 
uh, your parents in a way that I think some people are kind of uncomfortable with. Like, right. I think it's it's kind of an uncomfortable feeling to think about your parents as flawed humans who are just doing their best because, you know, that means that you are equally flawed and you might make the same mistakes. And that that's kind of a scary thought. Yeah. Um even in, in slightly off topic, but yeah. still animation, you, you can even see it in, like, the the preschool media as well a little bit. Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, Bluey is about generational trauma, but no. it's, it's a show that, as opposed to most, you know, like, very young kid shows, it gives a perspective of the parents. Oh, Sometimes yeah. them basically being the leads in a way. Oh, and yeah. Bluey know, is from the parents' perspective right. 90% of the time. Fight me. <laughs> right, exactly. And and having that be something that both the kids and the parents mm-hmm. can relate to and get to almost, like, see a little bit mm-hmm. of each side. You know, yeah. when you're a kid, it's probably giving you an interesting, interesting perspective that you hadn't thought of, you know, with, regards to your parents yeah um you know not to delve too much into blue no no just talking about that you know continuing that conversation on the interest where animation is definitely delving more into the uh familial aspects mm-hmm. of things and not just sort of separating the parents out charlie brown blah, 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 exactly blah. yeah no I, I think i think where parents haven't been in the background i think in a lot of media they're you know, they're either an antagonistic force, mm-hmm. like, you can't go out with your friends, well, I'm going to sneak out. Or they're, like, just lame dorks, like, again, who don't understand. Um, so I, I think it's a nice aspect. And, yeah, I think Turning Red, I think well, the reason it's resonating, despite the fact that it is, of the Disney Pixar movies that came out last year, is the only one that didn't get theatrical release. <sighs> so, sad. Um, <laughs> that that's it's, it's the clear winner. It's yeah. the clear, better film. Um, and it was incredibly popular on on Disney Plus. Yeah. I think it I think it it broke their viewership record uh, for an original film. Um, but I, I think it's just it's very easy for kids to relate. I think kids of all ages. I think there is just a really charming way it goes about showing that adolescent weirdness about that yeah that kind of cringe element that like. Yeah. I, I think whether you've already lived through it, whether you're currently living through it, or whether you are anticipating going through that time in your life, which, you know, ev- everyone is sort of one of those things, uh, I think even a young kid can can see that and be like, yup, like, that is awkward and uncomfortable. And I love how funny May and her friends are allowed to be. Like, I think I've talked about this before on the show, but, like, thank God we're, like, moving out of that period of, like, women have to be, like either pretty and bland or just hyper-competent fun suckers. Mm-hmm. Like, letting women just, like, have funny facial expressions. Like, it doesn't matter if she's, yeah. like, it doesn't matter if May looks cute or not. When she makes, like, her weird facial expressions, she's funny, and that's great. Yeah, you can, and you can you can definitely see the, uh, you know, the uh, influence of, say, like, a more anime style in regards definitely. to those expressions. Because that is such a classic bit of like that style of comedy mm. that isn't very prevalent in United States media. You know, no. you see it sometimes a the, little the bit. Heavily like, exaggerated right. features. No. You know, you'll see it in, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender and right. whatnot, but you know, even there it's almost toned down a little bit from oh, yeah. from what you you'd normally see. And here they go all out with the effects and yeah. they they make 
those emotions pop more and have a lot of fun and pizzazz to it. Yeah. And then in in terms of like where you're saying about just sort of like letting these characters be who they are, just the moment that endeared me so much right off the bat to May was her just walking down the street confidently and then tripping over stuff and going, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> And yep. just the fact that it's like, all right, they they, they use their, that is their PG equivalent of an F-bomb. Oh, yeah, you they get, get one. For, Everybody they get gets one. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, yeah, I think I think May and her friends are super fun characters. Um, I, I think the movie, you know, does a really excellent job at, at touching upon what it's like to be at that just weird phase of discovering who you are. And, like, yeah, also, like, it kind of has to be said, I love how this movie is just unapologetically an analogy for a girl's period. Of Like, there's obviously yep. a lot of other stuff going on there, too, but, like, they outright discuss, like, maxi pads and things like that, which I right, had never the... seen in my life in a kid's movie. That is the first response that her mom has to yeah. thinking like oh it's it's happening something you know? <laughs> is happening yeah it's like and and i think like i i had never really thought about it this way but like the the fear of to be going to school as a as a an adolescent girl at this stage and to fear that at any moment you will turn into a giant red panda and everyone will turn around and look and see what a horrifying smelly monster you are I feel like that's such a good analogy for being a middle school girl and being in that scary moment of my period could start at any minute. I'm woefully unprepared for this. And if it happens, everyone will know and I'll be humiliated for the rest of my life and it will be big and obvious and red like that. Like, wow, they kind of captured that. Yeah. Like, and it's a thing that is, you know, I think taboo for, you know, obvious and probably good reasons. It, it's a very personal thing. But, like, making it a little bit more okay for kids to talk about, especially, like, I think that there was so much, like, outrage, not outrage, outrage, but I think there was a little bit of, like, I'm not ready to talk to my eight-year-old child about this. Well, like, why not? Like, right. talk about it whenever. It's not, it's not some horrible, shameful thing that you have to, like, parents should wait till, you know, the child is ready to hear about this. Like, it's like talk when... about it whenever. Who cares? Right, exactly. <laughs> the, the, only, the only time that it is basically, you know, uh you know, almost too late to, to do so is when it is, in fact, too late to do so. And yep. it comes as a shock and surprise, which... Any any parent who was upset by Disney telling their ch children about periods before they were ready has not seen Carrie. Like, just... <laughs> Carrie is a great warning movie. Just tell your kid now. Just now. It, it doesn't do any damage. I don't know. I'm, this is, we're not talking. This, right. It's not important for this, but it's like, I I will never understand yeah. why it, like, because I wasn't raised like that. But then again, I had two older sisters. So like, there was never a point in my life where I didn't know that this was a thing, or at least not that I can remember, because it was just like, part of life. But like, kind of feels like that's how it should be. And I'm glad Disney took this step to, you know, I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure no. there was some pushback because, again, maybe some foreign, I'm sure some foreign animated movies have touched on this because America is a, a weird, conservative, puritanical <laughs> place. Um, but I'd certainly never in a mainstream American movie seen such an overt reference to a girl's period. Yeah, no, not not not, not much that I can think of. And not yeah. even, at least, stuff that I've seen of yeah. foreign um, at least in my mind. Yeah, I want to say, like, some TV shows, like, might have touched on, like, I want to say right. Brace Face had an episode about it, but, like, I think that was, like, heavy in analogy. Like, I don't think they could even, like, say the word, period. I don't know if they could say pad. 
Um, but I think they're they're like I, Disney also had one one of their Baymax specials touch on this, which I thought was Aww. sweet. Yeah, there's like like the uh, Baymax is like thinks a girl is like having like severe distress because she's hiding in the bathroom, but she's just like, no, I'm having my period. I don't have supplies. He's like, I will get you supplies, and then like squish 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 out. It's great. Wait, really? It's, you should watch that. I need to watch this. this <laughs> all the Baymax shorts are pretty cute, but that's the best one because it's just like him being a big helpful friend and like not fully that's... getting why the girl is so like ashamed and. Scared about everything. That's an amazing friend. And also, what a great idea for a mini episode for a health bot. Like, oh my god, right? He's a health bot. He's he's there. Do you do you need pads? Do you need ibuprofen? <laughs> like, he's just like, yes. We love Baymax. Okay, this is not a Baymax a Baymax story. Let's let's move on to yes. to our next one. Um, yeah, which the, I the, think the last the last comment of turning red being red pandas. Red pandas are great. Red pandas <laughs> are great, and I love I love the animation on like yeah. like we're gonna talk about a lot of different animation styles on this pod because yeah. there's all none of these films look alike, which is wonderful. This spans um, the, the gambit. But uh, I think Turning Red represents, you know, definitely a little bit more of a graphic style than is usual. Like, I wouldn't call it the typical Pixar look. No. But it is definitely your biggest budget, most texture, a lot of, you know, big fudgy surfaces. Yes. Um, one of the other ones on Though, this list is also pretty impressive in that scale. But I think in, I think still the Pixar effect comes through. True. Though, in terms of stylization, there is one Oh, there's one even that, more stylized. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're going we'll to get to that. We'll get to that. I think Marcel is next Marcel, on, on, I the, believe on is the order. Next, yes. Um, boy, this one made me cry. This one yeah. was so sweet. Oh, I, and I knew I was going to find it so sweet and sad. But, like... The word is just charming. Like, this movie has so much just sweetness and charm to it. Mm-hmm. This movie is like the, a warm blanket of a movie. It it feels like you are, um, I guess for, for those who might not know, um, sort of what Marcel yes. is. Um, it originally started as some YouTube shorts um, starring Jenny Slate as the titular Marcel. He is a shell. He wears and shoes. He has shoes. <laughs> Those shoes are on him. Um, and uh, it's just him sort of like exploring the house where he lives. He has his grandma that he's with. Um, and uh, in this film, basically the basis of it is there used to be a lot of other shells that lived in this house with them. Um, but due to the previous owners moving away, a lot of those shells ended up being taken with them, and so he wants to hopefully find out where they are. And it spans the gambit from lots of letter writing and little mini adventuring to being on sixty minutes. <laughs> I I can't believe they just like full on had a sixty minute segment in this. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but it it has such a vibe of watching like home videos. Mm of yourself being three or four or five and just sort of that, you know, never-ending curiosity, that never-ending spilling of ideas Mm. coming out of your mind of like, what's this? What's that? I wonder if I can do that. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to talk about this. Yes. And this makes me a little bit sad, but it's okay because I have this and... Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, and I think part of it comes from it coming from those, I, th- I think those videos were like from the early 2000s on YouTube when Jenny Slate was doing yeah, it, right? Those, I, I those wonder, were... or maybe, um, yeah, early, 
early 2010s. I 2010s, think was, okay. Yeah. yeah, still sort of, I think, still in that kind of, like, I want to say more innocent time of the internet. Like, yeah. when, it, when it wasn't every single person on the planet, basically, is on. And there were just, like, a lot of kind of cute things you could come across on the internet. And it was still kind of wild discovery. And, there yeah, there was still that innocence to it. Um, I think Marcel just really... Uh, encapsulates that because with the, the the videos, both the original ones and the the ones we sort of see him doing in the movie, are sort of this vlog style that was, of course, very popular at the time, um, and I think has sort of evolved in some ways. But I think there's an earnestness about like mm-hmm. these original ones. Um, I mean, I think it's just like also this is the scale of the world that Marcel is in. Like, there's nothing super funny about anything he's saying, but the earnestness with which like. I'm, like, small, so, like, I'm going to take my little raisin for a walk. And yeah. he's, like, pushing the little raisin <laughs> across the floor. And there's nothing groundbreaking or hilarious about that, but there's just something so charming and quaint about it. Mm-hmm. And the the stop-motion style and just him being, you know, clearly a little tiny prop shell in this, you know, normal human world, you get an amazing sense of the scale of this place. Like, you you see the world through his eyes because you, you have to. Like, you're in, you're fully in his perspective. You are a teeny tiny shell in an enormous drawer, like, trying to climb up the stairs. You know, the, the table is like an ice skating rink. Like, there's all these little elements. The world is transformed when you're seeing it from his perspective, which yeah. is Going so out cool. into the garden, and it's like a, almost like a giant, you know, force that you might see in prehistoric times with exactly. the giant tree oh it's just you know a big leaf <laughs> yeah it's it, i think a lot of creativity has to go into being a filmmaker and seeing and using scale in that way yeah um and also jenny slate she's a very charming voice actress mm-hmm. like she just I, I think she's known for like slightly like raunchier comedy but like when she just wants to be earnest little Marcel, like it's a PG movie, it probably could have been rated G. I mean, yeah, no, I think it's it, no if movies it is, are ever rated G. That's the big reason why. Just no movies are rated G. Right. Now. There is as far as I could remember, like other than like there are some sad moments. There, you know, right, especially and toward the end. Yeah, but, there's it, it. It delves into you know some a little bit sadder stuff, and yeah, um, but it's it doesn't you know make you you know leave the movie depressed it no you know, it's more of just it's a, a hopeful movie it's a hopeful it's like this is you know a little bit of the journey of life and exactly and i think i think maybe honestly that's the thing that i mean there's no reason for that to keep it from being g but i think of the movies on this list this is probably the one that would resonate with children the least i think right i think i think many children would be very charmed by it i think it's probably a little slow paced for children um, that's true. It's it's not a it, it's not a film that's meant to be some high octane, you know, no, you know yeah. adventure filled with tons of energy. It's 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 sweet. Yeah, it's, you you sit back and you feel charmed and you yeah. fall in love and just see the daily life of this guy's little quest. <laughs> it's it's so cute. This one is really cute. I I really enjoyed this. I mean, I knew I was going to, but I think just like seeing yeah. it was. Oh, well, this is just adorable. Yeah. Like you, there's and, no other word for it. This this movie's adorable and and perfectly paced as well. The solid, oh, yes. solid, solid ninety, and it works. <laughs> no movie needs to be over ninety minutes. Okay, well, <laughs> I will die on this hill. <laughs> I think some films deserve to be three hours long, but we'll move to a different topic. Spe- speaking, different I mean, <laughs> I, I think speaking of movies that are three hours long, 
I guarantee you Avatar had more animation in it than a Marcel. Oh, 100%. Well, yeah, it's it basically... It, it could have been nominated for Best Animated. It could. And honestly, if I could if I could make the Oscars decisions, I would have put Avatar in Best Animated and bumped a few of these ones up into its place in, uh, in Best Picture nominations. Mm-hmm. I know they can get both, but they don't, and they should. Right. There's... As, as I say basically every year, all five of these movies are better than most, if not all, of the ten Best Picture nominees. Like, there's a few I would, like, keep up there if I had to get rid of five, but, like, I, I could... enjoyed Avatar. I thought it was a great animated film. It, it was... <laughs> I, the animation was lovely. It was really... It was Honestly, we, maybe we should do a pod on Avatar, and that, that, would show, that would show them. There you go. Yeah, just come, come on, Jim, fight us. <laughs> I am still a little bit salty from years ago about The Lion King getting nominated for Best Visual Effects instead right. of Best Animated because yeah. those were not visual effects. The movie is animated. There is no there's there was one live action shot in the whole movie it was the sun rising. Right. Because that was because they were trying to figure out if they could if people could tell the difference and. Spoilers can't because it's a beautifully animated movie, but it is animated nonetheless. Stop calling it the live-action Lion King. It's just yeah. the new Lion King. Yeah. Anyway, next one. Next film. <laughs> next film before I burst a blood vessel in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> the Sea Beast. Oh, this one's fun. This is I, this is probably the least well-known one on the list because yes. Netflix and their infinite wisdom just sort of buried it on their service with very little fanfare. Um but I mean, this is this is it's uh, Chris Williams is the director, right? I, I yes, Chris Williams. It's kind of a generic generic white dude name, so I feel like I'm always getting it wrong. Um, but he has been working for a Disney feature for a very long time. Yep he he directed Big Hero Six. He directed Moana. Um, co-directed, but yes, co-directed. <laughs> um, but you know, now off on his own over at Netflix. Yeah, and and they they obviously like you can tell that this is a. This is a man with great Disney expertise. I wish I knew what got you know what got him off of Disney because you know I, I like maybe they wouldn't let him do his thing or whatever. Um, more accurately, Netflix probably just paid him a boatload of money back when Netflix was still funding their animation. Now they've right. kind of stopped doing that. Whoops. Um, but we'll still get a few more years of, of animated films from them because of right. how long animation takes. And we will be getting a, a sequel. CB, a sequel to CBS too. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to that because I, I really love this world. Yeah. Um, if you so I'm again since this is the one that I think few people have seen, we'll probably you know be pretty light on the details here. Um, but if you like the How to Train Your Dragon franchise, this movie's for you. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. Just sort of is like a vague, uh, you know overview of what it is um first off stars carl urban as basically a sea monster hunter um you know who goes and you know fights sea monsters that have been you know attacking the coastal world that they live in Mm uh for the past few hundred years yeah very again um, viking inspired yeah, yeah. yeah very viking it's icelandic uh mixed in with lots of pirate vibes mm. it's like a good everyone is a good guy pirate <laughs> is the yeah. best way to it put is, it they are the kind of pirates that you as a little kid imagined pirates would be yes. like the pirates of the caribbean pirates the yes. pirates of neverland pirates fun pirates right. we like fun pirates yes um Basically, he ends up going off on an adventure with a, a young orphan girl, um, and they go in this search, basically, of, you know, the 
the big one is the best way to put it. Yeah, uh, the, the sea beast to end all sea beasts. Yes. The, the, we call him Red. <laughs> we call him Red. <laughs> call her Red. Her Red, sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to misgender our big friend. <laughs> no, no, big, big friend. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, just sort of overall with this film, the... The most impressive thing to me that really blew me away, I was I was very lucky in that I got to see it in a theater. I'm so jealous. Um, <laughs> I saw it on my dinky little TV. It still blew me away, but I I wish I'd known that it will because it went. I think it was like in like one theater when it first came out, but yeah, it wasn't. It was in convenient. one theater in the Pacific Palisades. It, it was it, right. It was in it the was, middle of the workday. Right. It was. It was not going to be worth it. Unfortunately, knowing that like I could still see it for free in the comfort of my own home, which yeah. you know I don't love because I do want to support theaters, but like that wasn't like it was playing at my local okay. AMC. So, well, shout shout out to American Cinematheque who had the free screening and then Q&A with Chris Williams after on that. And uh, just getting to see the scale of the ocean, the oh, animation of it, the animation the of these, the water. This is the, a man who co-directed yeah. Moana. Yeah, you this is... see that. He, yeah. knows how to, he knows how to shoot some water. Yeah, he knows how to shoot some water. Um, watch out, Jim, Cameron, um, and... Jimbo. Jimbo. Um, and the way that he shoots the action scenes as mm. well. Oh, God, That yes. these these hunting scenes have such a visceralness to them, such a scale to them in a way that really surprised me. Um, this film was just filled with so much energy. Um, and It's like the opposite of Marcel. A little <laughs> like bit, yeah. The, the opposite of the pace of Marcel is CB. CB yeah. is such a, like, a huge swashbuckling adventure. Yeah, again... How to Train Your Dragon. Remind me a lot, of, especially right. I think of the second one. Yes. Evercall had a lot of big action scenes, a lot of moving parts. Reminded me a lot of that. Yeah. And and, and the, the really cool thing, I, we don't want to get too much into it because of yeah, spoilers, spo- but, but just sort of the way that it, in a, in a different kind of way, delves into the, uh, you know, things that crop up in history, the, the way that, you know, propaganda permeates in society, um, just sort of, uh, all those different sort of aspects really were, was a nice little message as well to sort yeah. of put into the film, especially one about hunting in these days, you yes. know, uh, you know, even still nowadays, you still have people out there who go and hunt, you know, whales and sharks and these beautiful sea creatures that, you know, were kind yeah. of taught are quote unquote evil or, oh, we we have to do this yeah. when, you know, there is a lot of beauty in the ocean. Yeah, and and I think, you know, you can even break it down to an even more allegorical level, like that, you know, the people who live on this, on this I think it's an island, right? Yeah, or, it's sort of like a half coastal, island, coastal it's nation. It's a peninsula. It's a peninsula. <laughs> oh, but, God, it's Florida. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's fantasy Florida. Um, but, yeah, like it's, you know, they you know, with good reason, the sea beasts look scary. Right. Like they, I, I appreciate that, like, they didn't tip their hand too much and, like, make them, like, super adorable. Like, they're still weird monsters. Right, um, and they do attack. Yeah, like, they it's attack not, them. this isn't some, some victimless thing. No, there's attacking. They're, they, they, they bring a nice nuance to exactly. this story. Um, and sort of the other thing that really stood out to me as a positive is I was a little curious, all right, how is... Um, you know, this, uh, 
you know, kid character going to be in regards to it, Maisie, you know, just how she interacts with everyone. Is this going to be like sort of, you know, the more annoying kind of Is she going to be super annoying? Yeah. Right. And And no, no, she's amazing. She is the best. (laughs) She's fantastic. She, I, I, I love the, the, the confidence on her, but it doesn't come across as, you know, uh, know it all if that kind of makes sense she has a personality that's not just kid i feel like a lot of times kids in these kind of movies have a personality that's just kid Mm -hmm. and she has a whole separate personality other than that which is really nice to see yeah she she has an intelligence to her um but even more so i feel she has a strong emotional intelligence and i feel that really comes across especially for kids oh yeah um you know, I think a, a lot of films might sometimes make the mistake of, and, you know, it's fun in a lot of different cases of the the kid genius and whatnot. Mm. Um, but here it was, it was a real joy to see her use her emotional intelligence in that she is still a kid. She has not been, you know, set in her ways yet fully. She's able to absorb a lot of different information, process it, and realize this is you know, how things are. Yeah. I think we really had, had it up to here with uh, all these annoying child geniuses characters. <laughs> I feel like, you know, anyone who creates a, a child genius character just exists to be super annoying. You know, they should they should probably stop doing that. They really shouldn't, though, <laughs> actually. I, I think that child genius characters are great. You know, I'm going back on what I just said. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one's going to understand this. No, what are you talking okay, about? Okay, never mind. <laughs> the only people who want to listen to this podcast will absolutely understand this. Ha ha. I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is a, a, a reference to a D&D character of mine. Why don't we, why don't we move on yes. uh, to the next one uh, from, from this past year, which I think, is that bring us to Pinocchio? Pinocchio, Pinocchio. Yes. Uh, again, we sort of already talked about this uh, on the pod previously, so we won't go into uh that much uh, more detail because yeah. you can listen to that one um i was also at the same uh uh you know event that yeah that, uh rachel and, and scarlet attended and that was just an amazing sort of experience getting to to hear the uh i guess to, to hop right in the thing that stands out very strongly in this film is how much the puppets are characters oh my god and how much the puppets are actors um and it comes across in all of the animation of the film. Um, and it, it, it truly is correct that they, for the credits, put uh, all of the puppeteers for the characters when, you know, it's time for the title cards. Um, yeah, I guess that's sort of hopping a little too much. But, uh, you know, Pinocchio, I assume you know what Pinocchio is. Uh, this is a little bit more fitting with the... Uh, more classical story of the original Pinocchio in terms of its different vibes and whatnot. Um, it's a little bit more, you know, you know, pushing those boundaries. Um, but, uh, you know, rather than taking place in the late 1800s, it takes place in fascist Italy during World War II. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, everyone knows the story of Pinocchio. I think, in general, people are mostly familiar with the uh, Disney version. Um, not, again, the Zemeckis one that also <laughs> came out this year, or last year. Um, I, I read this, I read the, the book when I was, when I was, like, in elementary school, so I'd, like, remembered certain elements of it. I'd remembered it being a lot darker 
Um, I remembered uh, uh, Pinocchio wanting to kill the talking cricket a lot more. Um, and, and I think, you know, in many ways, I think uh, Guillermo del Toro was trying to follow the spirit, if not the letter of the book, um, and then adding on an entirely different moral to it. Um, again, we won't go into spoilers here, but if you think you know the moral of Pinocchio, you do not know the moral of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, because right. as he is wont to do, he takes a familiar sort of story and makes you question makes you question why it is told that way. Actually, not that dissimilar from The Sea Beast. I think on a kind of meta level, you know, Guillermo del Toro's movies, you know, thinking of like Pan's Labyrinth, thinking of uh, Shape of Water, I think both in and including this one, I think kind of exists to make you question societal norms and make you question, like, why, why is it that the story of Pinocchio is about learning to not tell lies and learning to be obedient and learning to stay in line and do what, you know, the rest of the world expects you to do. Like, why do we tell that story that way? Is this a good story for children? Like, I I like that it engages with the, you know, the things we tell kids. Like, one of of my favorite shows is Into the Woods, and one of the reasons I love it so much is because it, it is about questioning the things we tell children and how the, you know, the kind of innocuous stories we tell, how those are going to shape them. Um, And I think it's kind of an interesting way of looking at Pinocchio, which I think is such a formative story for so many children. That's a really great way to put it, especially when it, you know, delves into its more, you know, very dicey areas, you know, taking, uh, you know, the fun island where kids, you know, drink and turn into donkeys and animals um, instead is a fascist boot camp. It is World War Two. It is World War Two, <laughs> training these children to be obedient, follow the rules, don't break away from the norms, follow your orders mm-hmm. from your commander, yep. and, you know, be a good little lad and frankly go get yourself killed yeah i mean it's it's the well you know what we see in Guillermo del toro's version is the exact opposite of the pleasure island that we know from the disney version which side note we're not talking about zemeckis's pinocchio (laughs) but i find it i just i need to mention this at every opportunity yeah their version of pleasure island they clearly in 2022 can't show children drinking beer anymore the way they did in the 1940 movie so all the kids who are like bad children to be punished are just drinking root beer and it is so funny to me that they got rid of that element because like they keep the turning into donkeys they keep the ooh bad evil children being punished but now their crime is drinking root beer (laughs) which is so funny to me like it was a bad thing like the the, the 40s Pinocchio I think did a pretty darn good job of teaching kids that smoking and drinking is bad because you will be punished in the most horrifying Cronenberg body horror esque way possible (laughs) and now they just confuse the hell out of the message in an attempt to make it like more okay for kids yeah i don't know i just i needed to get i needed to talk about that because no one no one in the world has seen zemeckis's pinocchio and they probably shouldn't but like i needed to get that off my chest yeah (laughs) (laughs) they also smash clocks for no reason other than like it is like a metaphor in the story that like Geppetto's whole thing is making clocks mm. and the bad children smash clocks as if this is a common childhood fantasy that children have that yes when we are when we are free to do whatever we want we're going to break clocks 
Meanwhile, in this film, they smash Jiminy Cricket, or well, Sebastian J. Cricket. Sebastian, yeah. I, I think in the, I think Jiminy Cricket is Disney copyright yes. because I think in the book he's just referred to as the Talking Cricket. Right. Um, I think it was the Disney version that first gave him an actual name because yes. if he's going to be a main character, you kind of got to give him a name. Um, and then I think, yeah, I think they probably copyrighted that. So yeah. he's Sebastian now, and he's uh, he's very sweet. Yeah, he he is. A surprisingly comic force in this film. You oh, McGregor yeah. is fantastic. That's you and he's good at everything he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I feel like I've said charming several times in this pod, and I think it's because there's a lot of very charming movies on this list. Um, but he is just charming. The movie itself, I wouldn't quite call charming. I think no. charming in, implies sort of a quaintness that this movie does not have. This is a very intentional movie. This is a very artistic movie. In at some points, it's a very heavy-handed movie. Um, in the way that I think stop motion can get away with because you have to be so, you got to take the sledgehammer to certain things with stop motion. You don't have time for tiny little intricate details. You've got to be like everything on screen's got to have been built and it's got to have been shaped right. by human hands. Um, so, sort of in that in that vein, um, everything to do, not to, trying to say it without too much spoilers, mm. but the, the time room. Um, yeah. Uh, the way that... Um, they bring to life sort of this in-between world mm. of life and death. Um, this world, uh, you know, where the the sister of the quote-unquote fairy godmother lives. A blue um, fairy is scary blue in this fairy. one, but very cool. They 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 go very much into that angel biblical allegory yeah. of you know you have been given you know Geppetto has you know lost his son and been given this gift from above basically mm. um and part of you know the just the the whole journey of the film is really hit both you know him you know working to realize that you know this you know it's it's okay if he's different mm. um it's okay if this is you know not exactly my child right. um and him struggling with that journey and then also the way that you know Pinocchio comes to understand so many different things about life that he can't get because, mm. you know, he doesn't experience life the same way yeah. that, you know, a quote-unquote real boy might. Um, and he's generally okay with, you know, you know, more experiencing things, how his life is. It's a part yeah. of who he is. He, you know, there's an embracing of who he is rather than a rejection of, like, yes. you know, I wish I was a real boy and I, you know, that's, you know, minor nega spoilers. That's not, you know, what happens, you know, mm -hmm. in the journey that he goes on with the right. story. Yeah. And I, I like that this version gives Geppetto an arc because Geppetto doesn't usually have one. Geppetto is usually, he is, you know, perfect already. He has been divinely blessed. And I think both he and Pinocchio learn something about the human experience over the course of the movie. Like, I think, you know, for a story that's about a wooden boy, I think all variations of Pinocchio, even the worst ones, are about what it means to be human. Yes. And everyone has a different version of the thesis of what being a human is. I think the 1940 Disney version, I think, has, you know, again, I, I love that movie to pieces. Um, it's, you know, one, one of the earliest animated movies I saw. I have a very strong place in my heart. I... I'll say that it definitely has a, you know, very shallow view of what it means to be human. I think it is be be good and kind to people around you and 
do not be selfish, I think is sort of the overarching message is, you know, there are, you know, be be good and kind, think of the people who love you. Um, and this Mecca's version has like a slightly more watered down version of that mm-hmm. in which like, I think Pinocchio feels like weirdly obligated to be good to Geppetto because it's just similar to the Guillermo del Toro version, he's lost his real son. Um, so that, I in general, I don't, I when I, I saw this Mecca's version before I saw Guillermo del Toro's and I remember not liking that, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say change because it's an adaptation, but not liking that story point because I think it's sort of, I at the time I was thinking, well, this kind of cheapens him making Pinocchio because now we're just thinking, oh, he's just trying to replace his son. He doesn't actually like care about, you know, Pinocchio as his own thing. And then that's a really important part of Guillermo del Toro is like they actually engage with it. So they they retroactively almost made me hate uh, the Zemeckis movie even more for like potentially having a really juicy plot point than not engaging with it because God forbid Tom Hanks, Geppetto be anything but a perfect sweet guy. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, right, I don't want to go into, into too much more detail on, on this one because I think anyone who hasn't seen it should just go see it because yeah. it's really excellent. Um, and we also, you know, did have our whole, whole thing on it, but yeah. boy, is this one it, wonderful. Yeah. It, sort of the, the last thing to sort of leave off with on it is I was really surprised, you know, the animation I expected to be blown away. I was obviously blown away. The, the thing that surprised me is I went in expecting a film that was a much more you know darker more Mm. dreary and i came out with a very similar sense of wonder oh absolutely um and it it's it's melancholic i i I forget what uh what what del toro described it as um sort of in the post interview but there was mention melancholy there there was there was a a certain way that he described it of when you're talking about life, you're going to talk about tough things, but quote unquote talking about life shouldn't just be like, ooh, we're delving into difficult subjects now. It's life can be really beautiful and yeah. really touching in a way that is hard to fully vocalize. Um, yeah. And this this film has such a such a sweetness to it in 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 the innocence of Pinocchio yeah. um uh, yeah that it, it it really comes across well yeah I, I agree I mean I think the lighting in this movie I think about a lot I think there's a lot of beautiful sunset shots yes. I think there's you know beautiful scenes of Geppetto and Pinocchio walking through forests like yeah I mean the the animation is is incredible as as with most stop motion movies this one took a very long time to create it took even longer to find someone to fund it um but it well well worth the wait. I'm looking forward to seeing what Guillermo uh, will will be doing next. I know he has another stop motion movie yes. uh, coming out in a few years, possibly. Uh, <laughs> it takes years, a while during the 2020s. Let's say. in in our lifetimes yes. there will be another Guillermo del Toro stop motion, and he it's a it's a match made in heaven because his yeah. his designs and his imagination is just clearly so wonderful. Um, what a great movie. Also, uh, very critical of the Catholic Church. So if you're uh, if you have strong uh, strong <laughs> feelings toward the Catholic Church uh, and are particularly fond of it, might not be the movie for you. This, <laughs> he's he's clearly got some beef with the uh, with the religious orders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, there is some good comedy scenes with that. <laughs> woof. <laughs> it's it's a really good movie. Yeah. Go go see Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, 
Which then brings us to, I believe, our last movie uh, up for Oscar nomination. Uh, Our favorite fearless hero. He is our favorite fearless hero. It's Puss in Boots. It's Puss in it's Boots. Puss in Boots. <laughs> Thank you for continuing your tradition of, of singing on our show. I love hearing your voice. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think of the movies this year, I would consider this one, at least for me, this was the Dark Horse. I was not. Yeah. I, I think I'd, I the trailers intrigued me. I'd heard good buzz from people I know who worked in the industry and worked on the movie itself. Even with all of that, you know, I was sort of going into this being like, all right, well, this is the sequel to a spin-off to the Shrek franchise that I didn't watch that apparently got pretty decent reviews, but... Yeah, no it was... Yeah. It was okay. It had, like, one really excellent joke in it that, like, still sits in my mind. Um, uh, basically, quote-unquote, spoiler alert yeah, for the original spoiler one. the original person. Uh, yeah, Humpty Dumpty's the villain, and it's the big twist villain, and so, like, they start and do, like, a classic thing of he was there all along. And you see him, like, they flash back to different scenes of the movie, and he's turning around and looking. He's like, oh, my God, he was in that scene. And then, like, becomes more and more absurd where they were in, like, a barn of chickens, and the chicken turns around, and it's Humpty Dumpty in a chicken suit. Anyway, enough about that film, which was... a good gag. Okay. Yeah. Um... This film, it, yeah, that's sort of the best way to put it. There there was a certain, you know, buzz to it mm. that you could sort of tell with, you know, a little bit of the animation style that mm. we could see where it was, this feels kinetic. This feels very, you know, paintbrushy. Graphic, um, yeah. Graphic in a cool way. Um, Spider-Verse really changed the world. Yeah. <laughs> Thank but, goodness. But how is the film? Um, and on both fronts, on the animation front and on the story front, this film blew me away in a oh dark horse way that I didn't expect. I mean, just look at how it like landed in this list. Like it, it is up here. You know, again, it is the sequel to a spinoff of the Shrek franchise, and it beat out one of two Pixar movies. It beat off uh, Disney feature animations big movie it's it's there like it it is it is in the big leagues arguably has no right to be there uh in another world this is a directed video sequel but they put in this enormous amount of effort they really they upped the comedy they upped the heart i was crying at parts of this movie they upped the intensity of the villain can i just say of all the movies on this list i have to say one thing that is lacking, none of these movies have, like, that classic Disney villain of, like, a yeah. pure, evil, sinister guy. Puss in Boots sure does. Not only does Puss in Boots have that, Puss in Boots has two. It does. Puss in Boots somehow in its runtime manages, it not only has two, it has two, and it does a very good version of the, the recent, like, you know, Disney villain, but actually kind of good Well, it turns, turns out to be good at heart. So yeah. you have... Three, three villains. Oh, yeah. And two villains that I would say are already fairly iconic in a way that I haven't seen a Disney villain be in a decade. C- certainly, <laughs> certainly the main the main one, the the yeah. one the one who is, you know, the the, the big bad wolf throughout <laughs> the entire yeah. movie. I'll, that's in like the trailers, I think. I feel like yeah. I'm I'm okay with big mentioning bad it. Wolf that is... essentially the big bad wolf is the villain. Um but there's another twist on top of it that I won't spoil. Yeah. Um but that is already I've seen that memed. Like the movie's only been out for a few months and I'm seeing that memed everywhere. Like that is 
like, again, like, the fact that this movie is so in the cultural zeitgeist already, I think, is incredible. And, you know, you don't meme things unless there's a certain amount of staying powers. Certainly not if their their look isn't already iconic enough. The character designs on this movie are great. Like, yeah. I love Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Like, Goldilocks <laughs> just looks so bad. Yeah. Like, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, in she a, in a is good a way. human disaster. <laughs> she's the best. I, right, I, I love all of these. Like, that's how you know that it's a really good movie with strong characters they're very different characters all of them and i adore all of them like even even the sinister evil guy who you know the second he's on screen you're like scared of him like there's yep. a likability to that there too like good old good old john, john mulaney is jack horner from the jack horner pie poem that yeah, like but, i kind of knew right like, like, like an, which i i sort of like that that's like an element of why he's the villain in a world again it's a clever in a world of storybook characters he's a nursery rhyme and i can see how that sort of becomes a hierarchy of characters in this world that if you're you know snow white you live in a beautiful castle and far far away if you're a little jack horner who sat in the corner eating his was it blackberry pie maybe i just remember that's the one that was like like, uh stuck in his thumb pulled out a plum and said what a good boy am i that's the i don't know i Again, it's it's the kind of nursery rhyme you vaguely remember because you read it in a Mother Goose book when you were like four. Um, but yeah, it's like not a not a real thing. But John Mulaney, I'm a big John Mulaney fan. A second, he, I didn't even know he was in the movie, and then he opened his mouth and like, ah, John, you're here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and and in in a similar comedic way, he uh, uh, to the previous film, he also has his own uh, little Jiminy Cricket with him. Oh my god, to... I love the Jiminy Cricket in this movie, who just, he speaks in this, like, Jimmy Stewart kind of voice, and he's just like, the whole arc throughout the movie, he's being like, oh, you're, you're a jackass. You're an irredeemable monster. Oh, 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 what took you so long? <laughs> this, again, this, this movie, I feel like of this list, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was the best of the list at any of one of its elements, but I feel like it had the most of it. Like it's, yeah, it feels like the one that is going to be remembered the most, if that makes sense in the I can overall see that, zeitgeist yeah. of this returning red. I could maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it, it, it's it's a close battle at the very least in the online mm-hmm. animation sphere yeah, that I, I see. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. in the, like, cultural meme sphere mm-hmm. and sort of general discussion of popping up. Yeah. Like, people are going to be as surprised when a Pixar film is really good. They're going to yes. be surprised when the Pixar film is all right. When Puss in Boots surprises you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. I guess sort of maybe, maybe now's a good time to describe what the film is. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like even just like from like a passing reference, you can sort of get it. But the 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 just is Puss in Boots, played by Antonio Banderas, is back and he is uh, on on a quest to get the the wish from the wishing star. Yeah. And every, I, you know what? I kind of wish I at some point maybe Katie and I will talk about this because I have to point out. This movie has the same plot and general structure as the Animaniacs movie. Really? Wacko's Wish is also has to do with a wishing star falling to Earth and all the characters on a race against each other. It's a mad, 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 mad world style to get that wish. 
Um, which is very much the tone of this movie. It's very, very much so. very, it's a mad, 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 mad world. All these different characters want the wish for their own purposes. You know, characters have to team up with each other. Alliances are made. Alliances are broken. You're sort of watching these individual groups trying to get to the star. Yeah. Um, Puss is dealing with his own mortality because as they say in the trailers, you see this, he's on his last life. He has nine lives. He's on his last life. Um, much like uh, Pinocchio, this is a movie about dealing with what what does it mean to be alive? What what is life? Um, yeah, when you've been this swashbuckling rogue who has no fear of anything, you know, throughout your life, and then suddenly, wait, if I mess up one more time, I'm gone. I'm dead. Yep. Yeah. No. And yeah. And, and the way that it deals with that anxiety, um, I mean, that that part of the story made me cry. Like yeah. it it's done very beautifully it 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 really it really touches me in the heart yeah. like it, it 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 gets you good um it it knows how to balance very comedic very high octane moments um you know with this you know more emotional core story running through it all and having it end in an incredibly climactic yeah. and you know just sort of excellent way oh, like yeah. there's there could be a number of ways to end that kind of story and have it sort of fall a little dud but this film knows how to give you the emotional catharsis in you know both its intimate moments and in its grand moments oh yeah i mean i think this movie like i i think on what i i think if there's any one category this movie unequivocally wins at i would say it's the humor i think of all the all the five movies i think this is yes. the funniest but i think just on like i think this was the best balanced of them like i think yeah. that i think there are you know maybe the sad moments don't rival pinocchio maybe the the sweet charming moments don't rival uh uh, Marcel. Marcel. Maybe the action scenes aren't quite as good as uh, Sea Beast. I don't know about that. I mean, they're they're on they're on a le- they're on a probably similar. There's, this there's is, an incredible style there, there's too. an incredible style to how they do the adventure through basically the land where mm. they're traveling through. Yeah, the Feywild. Yeah. yeah, basically the <laughs> they travel through the Feywild, and Feywild shenanigans happens, and th- there's like. I don't want to give away too much too much away, but there are transitions mm. that happen just in the middle of scenes that just sort of it was fantastic how they did it and they swapped around the story basically in the landscape that oh, they yeah. were in, um, just sort of on the fly based off of certain uh, like really cool MacGuffin stuff. Oh yeah, I mean this this was the close of these five movies. This was the closest one to traditional animation. Um, there's a lot of hand-drawn elements. It's yeah. really graphic and that Spider-Verse style. And especially in those yeah. action sequences, you really see them using it to their advantage. Um, I'm really glad that, that became a trend. I'm really glad we're seeing yeah. more and more movies in that style. Um, I'm glad that it seems like next year with Disney's Wish, they're going to be leaning more heavily into that. Yeah. Turning Red already is starting to like dip a toe into that area. So really glad this is is becoming more yeah. norm. Like if, if I can't have a full return to traditional animation, I will take this you know, taking the best of that style and combining it with the best of CG. Absolutely. I mean, it's sort of in a, a similar way. This this sort of, it, it obviously is definitely inspired off of the Spider-Verse renaissance, I might say. Spider-sance, yeah. The Spider-sance. <laughs> um, 
I'd say the style slightly reminds me a little bit more of Arcane in terms of its mm. brush strokes um, and yeah, sort definitely. of the, the, the pencil strokes more in this film. We'll get you on uh, for an Arcane episode one day because I don't yeah, think well, Katie's seen it, even though it's their perfect movie. Oh, yeah. TV no. show. When, when, when season two comes out, I feel is a perfect time. Um, Will Arcane in, talk? In, in a year, <laughs> probably. Yeah, 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 it takes a while. It's... You can see it in that in that show. It they take a long time, oh, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> and yeah. you can tell in Puss in Boots that they took their time. You know, making these, uh, you know, scenes where when when things start, you know, going a little bit into the like 16, 12 frames mm. per second, Ooh, yeah. you know something good's happening. Right, right. right. Now. You're ramping like, it up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like I, I, you know, similar to how also Turning Red, I think talked about a rather taboo subject. Mm. I, I liked the. I think you alluded to this a little bit. I liked the way that they showed how Puss is dealing with his own mortality and his existential crises. I like that we see him having what are clearly panic attacks. We see him having a, you know, drawn out and I'd say mostly not played for laughs depressive episode. No, like, yeah, there's, yeah, it's. It's it's a little rough at one point. Like I can feel my heart beating with his. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, like, even but like even earlier when like he you know basically gives up for a little bit and like it's a little bit played for laughs and they sort of like poke at it throughout. But yeah. like which I think is fair. Like you don't no one wants to see just like a really depressing Puss in Boots right. movie. Um, and I think yeah, I, I mean you you see it in the trailers as well. Like he goes to his retirement home and he. He, he realizes this is a horrible life living as a house cat so he's trying to like cook himself a meal but he's being sprayed off the you know yeah but like and eventually you know, he's gonna get sad and he gives up like we 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 see we see or see like i think a a you know a pretty close accurate depiction of you know what a, a true depressive episode looks like when you just kind of give up on the world um and then as you're saying like the heart racing elements of, of showing an actual panic attack like those are things that are taboo in movies aimed at adults, and I think that it is rather brave of them to have taken so much time out of, you know, what is kind of a fun romp of a farcical movie into, hey, like, being be, being being scared of dying is a thing, like, and you're probably going to go through that at some point in your life. Yep. Here are some ways to deal with it, kids. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Such as the... Absolutely incredible, uh, uh, Harvey Guillen as oh. Perito. <laughs> Show stealer Perito. I, I love him so much. He yeah. is a, a good boy. I, I, again, I, another talk about characters you I thought were going to be kind of annoying yes. and then weren't. Like, Perito, I think, very much could have been a, just a soup. Like, a, like I, I, I'm, I know I'm going to get rage across the coals for this. I find Donkey kind of annoying in the Shrek movies. He was Ooh. never my favorite part of the Shrek movies. I know, I know. I, I think I think it's, just, it's Eddie Murphy style of comedy. He's never done it. For me. I'm also not fair. a big fan of Mushu in uh, in Mulan. That's fair. I like think. it's it's just not. It's a it's a very broad, loud style of comedy. I feel like the joke is always I'm loud and annoying, and then I'm like, well, I'm annoyed by this. <laughs> right. Um, again, I, I I understand that it's a universally beloved performance, and I'm the weird one in this. But I think when I first saw like Perito in the trailers, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a donkey type. Same. Like, I've seen this type of character before. I've seen it done. I, I'll give Donkey this. I think he's the best version of that type of character. There have been way worse characters like that. The annoying for the sake of being annoying character has been done way worse. And I was kind of thinking, okay, like, even if the rest of the movie is good, this guy's going to be a slog to deal with. So happy to be proven yeah. wrong. I 
I judged that dead wrong. What a sweet, fun boy. Very okay with this character. Very hilarious. We've said the word earnest a lot on this podcast. A lot of earnest movies in this film. His character is so earnest in this film. He's just sweet. He's just looking for a friend. And he's just kind of happy to be along for the ride. Yeah. And I like that they didn't do that thing that I think a lot of uh, movies in general, but I think kids' movies do, is when they are worried that the mood has gotten too low or that they there's gone too long without jokes. They'll just like have the comic relief insert a joke into the moment. And there were so many times I was like thinking like there's like a sweet moment between Puss and Kitty and they were like, yeah. you know, reconciling or like having like a real yeah. emotional conversation. I was like, Perito's going to show up and say something stupid. Perito's going to show yeah. up and say something stupid. And like, I think there was maybe one or two times that like – that happened but it was like something actually funny or actually or moving the plot forward or something i feel like there was i didn't at least it did not stand out to me that there was a moment where they were like oh we gotta throw a joke in here it's gotten too too heavy let's throw a joke in like this movie knew when its tone was gonna be its tone um so i was very pleasantly surprised at how much i enjoyed this movie i think i i think i have to say of the movies this past year i don't know if i would necessarily call it the best I think I enjoyed it the most. I would also say that I enjoyed it the most. Um, I sort of on on that best versus enjoyed the most. Mm. Um, I guess this sort of gets more into the yeah, like, the, I, the, the Oscars race now. that we the Oscars. have. Oscars, here we go. Five um, movies. What do you think? You know, it, it it seems very very likely, and I think it's absolutely well deserved that Pinocchio is going mm-hmm. to be um, the winner on Sunday. I think that's where um, the money's at. Yeah. I think that's where the money's at. I think it is best made film Mm -hmm. it is filled with just incredible stop motion the message that it delves into is incredible um and very you know raw and powerful um there's such a a light to it um that it, it really stands out as uh you know just incredibly made um but in a similar way of the dark horse you do still hear chatter once in a while um you know amongst and just sort of the if there is a film where if it's not going to be pinocchio it is going to be puss in boots oh yeah I would like so. i think there is such a cultural momentum mm. behind that film in a way that kind of feels slightly similar to say like a you know i don't know what the best way to put it is but you know, every once in a while, there's there's just those really great crowd-pleasing films mm. that fire on all of the cylinders. Yeah. People can go into Puss in Boots and not, at the very least, have a great time. Even if it isn't your favorite animated film of the year, it's going to be on your list, I feel. It's it's kind of a no-doubt situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and really, all of these movies were so good this year. Like, this is... I, I think I've had years where I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe that got nominated. Or, like, why why is... Thank goodness that Minions The Rise of Gru did not get nominated. Uh, Minions didn't get here. Lightyear, I think, also wouldn't have deserved it. Strange World no. wouldn't have deserved it. Like, there's there's a lot of movies that I think could have edged out something like Marcel and the Sea Beast. Like, I'm glad Marcel and the Sea Beast are on here, because I think there is very much a world in which those two, which I think are very much the underdogs in this race, I think pretty darn unlikely that those two will win i think there is a there is i i think like you said pinocchio i think is is pretty much the the front runner at this point 
um, with Puss in Boots, I think is you know a number two, and then I think edging pretty close to that is Turning, Turning Red. Red. Just by yeah. that, that's your Pixar name. Not that it's undeserving, because I think in many other years it would have won. Yes. Um. I. I. And I think it would have deserved it. And heck, if it wins on Sunday, I'm not gonna be upset. No, like, definitely not. They're, they're, like. I, I would think that those other two would deserve I would be it more. more. I would be more surprised. Right. Yeah, I think I could honestly see it, It you know, I, I could see it, yeah, you know, it's the Puss in Boots and Pinocchio potentially splitting the vote and right. going to Turning Red, potentially, but I think it'll it'll almost certainly be Pinocchio with a slight chance that it could go to Puss instead. Um, but yeah, all, all of these movies, really excellent. I think the Academy did a really good job selecting them. I think you can't go wrong with any of these. You haven't seen any of them, any of them or all of them yet. See, see them all. They're all great. You won't be disappointed. I think most are available on streaming services right now. You see, yeah. Uh, on Disney Plus, you can see Turning Red, Sea Beast, and Pinocchio are on Netflix. Um, Marcel's Amazon. I want to say. I want to say. Um, I know. Puss in Boots is on oh, Peacock on now. Yeah, Puss in Boots on Peacock. I, th- I think actually maybe Marcel might be Apple. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I don't quote me on this. I haven't looked this up. Mm. Um, it's somewhere. I, I, I think I've seen it. It's streaming is somewhere. Right. Um, so you'll be able to see that one. All great. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I guess I think part of me, as much as I think Pinocchio is a great movie and I'd be very excited to see it win, there is still kind of a part of me that thinks that it's going to win not necessarily because it is, you know, super deserving with its artistry and its message and story. I think there's a chance that it wins because it is seen as the most adult of these movies. Mm. Um, and I don't, I, I have mixed feelings on that because on the one hand, I don't like what happened at the Oscars last year where you that, had the Dis- the oh live action Disney princesses come over, come out and say, wow, parents, we know that you love using animated movies to babysit your kids and they'll watch them over and over because kids are trash and don't actually care about movies and this is just the babysitter for your kids yeah. like we and, all and hated Kanto, that <laughs> Encanto was a really great film but boy would it have been cathartic if Mitchell's versus the machine had won. won in that year especially after that stuff after that moment right and I mean that, that was an upsetting moment on all fronts um so obviously I don't I don't like that but I also don't love the other side of the spectrum which is you know an, animated movies can be just for adults and we should honor the ones that are the least like entertainment for your children. Mm. Um, and I, and not to, not to say necessarily that Pinocchio is that, but like, I worry that that's going to be the new tone that they set that like animation isn't just dumb stuff for kids. It can be serious and emotional art like this, which like there is a middle ground. Like I think, I think there's this, this prevailing belief that because something is, made for all audiences or a family audience or heck even just for kids that it is inherently lacking in value and inherently lacking in artistry and I don't I don't buy that like I don't like that like I think there is Puss in Boots is I think possibly the youngest coded movie on this list and I think it is you know one of one of the best like I think it is that's as I hadn't thought about it in that coding kind of way but I, I think of the hmm. what what you would what a young the youngest child would enjoy. I think it's Puss in Boots. I think that's true. You know, may, maybe turning red a little bit, but it's got Even adult. Then. It's it's set in the early two thousands. You know, clearly you know aiming towards you know either either plain old nostalgia or at least an understanding of different eras that I think requires you to be a little older. It's a, a very preteen subject matter. Um, Marcel, as we mentioned, is sort of too slow paced to be for, uh, you know, very young kids. I think you'd probably have to be 
at least older than 10, I think, to, to you know, start to appreciate something like Marcel. I think even The Sea Beast, by virtue of it being kind of an, like an action swashbuckling kind of story, I think you gotta be a little bit older. I, I think Puss in Boots is really the one that is the most all ages of these. That's fair. Um, even though it does have some, uh, some, oh, it has some, some real, censoring. Some, some real stuff, yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing on that yeah. front. Uh, I think it's... But it's, no, I, I, see what you're, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think there's a, a good middle ground, mm-hmm. um, sort of what you're saying with things. I think that... Um, I, I do appreciate that there is a little bit more of this acknowledgement of, you know, more adult animation mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, both not only adult animation, but also just sort of animation from around the world um, and just sort of the recognition that it isn't a genre, mm. it's a style. Exactly, it's a medium. The way that it's, a, yeah, exactly, it's a medium. And the way that it has been portrayed mm-hmm. by a lot of these, you know, industry people yes. has been as a genre of animation is for kids full stop. Right. Um, and I do appreciate that it seems like this year there's going to be an acknowledgement of this is a medium. This is a medium to tell your mm-hmm. story. Um, and it can, you know, it's, it's a medium that can do it in so many different ways in ways that can be incredibly beautiful. Um, yeah. And you see it in all of the different nominees this year. Um, but, you know, sort of in terms of that, that coding, especially with Pinocchio very much in its, in its campaign being out in LA, um, you see sort of that message being broadcast of animation is a medium. Yes. And there is a big push like, ironically by netflix who has cut down their animation department into little bits and pieces netflix is the one currently leading the charge being like animation is a medium not a genre yeah and and of course you'll have you know no complaints from me on that ground and i yeah i and i agree i think it's about finding that middle ground it is it is animation is not just for kids animation is a medium not a genre but also on on a certain level, I just I, I want I want to make sure that we don't lose the understanding that there is truly great things that can be made that can be enjoyed by yes. children and adults. And, like, and hey, we're just why... talking about Bluey. I love me right. some Bluey. <laughs> Bluey is made for four year olds and also me. <laughs> right, exactly. You, you have Bluey. You have Puss in Boots, as we've talked about. Like yeah. that is a what I was saying before. Like that's a film I have a hard time imagining someone going into that film and not having at the very least a great time. I think even and the most cynical like, old right. crusty dude who thinks animation is just for toddlers would have a wonderful time at Puss in Boots. Exactly. Um, and I think that sort of is definitely why those two are the, the current, you know, sort of front runner mm-hmm. and the dark horse possible win. Yes, I absolutely. And yeah, I don't want to make it seem like I don't think Pinocchio would deserve the win. It absolutely does. Like, I think it is the, you know, quote unquote, best, most deserving movie of this, frankly, of the year. Like I yeah. would, I would I, be it, I, pretty content should, if it won best picture, it but it's not be, nominated. It should be in the best picture category for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, it is, I, you know. Katie and I have talked about on the show quite a bit about our, our collective love for stop motion. I know you share it as well, Jack. Mm-hmm. It's just it the you can't you can't match that artistry. Like yeah. I'm a big fan of the Puss in Boots style. Like I, I think it yes. looks great, but there's something about stop motion with the tangibility of it. It's just like, well, that's there. Like I know it's there. I know it was built you know, with someone's hands. It's pretty incredible. Um so before we go, as I mentioned earlier, 
Um, let's chat real quick about some of the animated movies uh, that didn't make the list this year. Yeah, um, I, I think Wendell and Wild is kind of a big one. Wendell on Wild's definitely a big one. Um, I I wonder if there was a thought process behind the voters mm-hmm. of you know stop motion right. as a medium possibly being three out of five of the nominees. Yeah, and I feel like if you're gonna choose one, it's going to be Pinocchio. If you're going to choose two. It gets into a toss-up between Marcel and Wendell and Wilde, and I think that was probably on the mind of some voters. Yeah. Um, and it is a little bit of a toss-up for me as well mm-hmm. um, in terms of what I would cut out of this category yeah. to replace it in. I think I'd still go with Marcel, honestly. Yeah, exactly. I did enjoy Wendell and Wilde, and it was very much a movie for me. Like, the visual style was so much. Like, I, I, I love Henry Selleck. I love how Halloween-y the movie was. Um, it, it was a really excellent movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I also wonder if, in addition to it being a matter of the race between uh, stop-motion movies, if it was also about Netflix movies. Um, That's a good given point. Given that it would have then been Sea Beast, Wendell and Wilde, and Pinocchio all in there as Netflix animated movies. Yeah. I think there is a little bit of an industry grudge against Netflix. Netflix has taken a lot of jobs, and it has you know definitely taken a lot of people away from uh, the theaters and as much as all these uh, studios love to tout their streaming services, I think a lot of them wish they still lived in a pre-streaming world and not the world that Netflix forced them into where they all have to compete this way and are making a lot less money than they would if they didn't have to have everything on a streaming service. Um, so I, I wonder if like that was also part of it. You have to cut one of Netflix's three movies. I, I would say I'm a little closer between Wendell and Wilde and Sea Beast. Like than I am between that's Marcel. a good way to put it. I was I was going to say Sea Beast as well. Of there feels yeah. like there's a debate there, and I'm sure it sounds like there was probably a debate within Netflix. Like yeah, like I I I would have a much harder time giving you a straight answer. I think my answer also today, as a voter, mm. like in a similar way, where I was talking about three stop motion films getting in, the Academy giving three nominations to Netflix for a best animated feature feels like. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a tough ask from some of these voters in that, the yeah. industry who some of them straight up still think that Netflix is, shouldn't be qualified. That for this, Netflix yeah. te- technically doesn't count as movies, which. Well, actually, I do okay. wonder. <laughs> I don't know if Wendell and Wilde played in enough theaters. Then again, CBs, I also would have played in just as many, so. I think it probably played in enough. Probably the same amount as Beast, honestly. Yeah, I think festivals help festivals count help. toward yeah, that, that's which true. They, they had a few festival screenings Yeah, they did. There. So yeah, so I guess that would have helped it out as well. Um, I saw it in one of those festival screenings, so I should know. Um, but yeah, I think I think my answer today would probably be that I preferred Wendell and Wilde to the Sea Beast, but I think that it's so close with those two that like I it could that answer could change tomorrow. Um, but, but yeah, I, I can, I, I would, I would put money on it being, you know, a, they might have let three Netflix movies go. They might have let three stop motion movies go, but yeah. for those two combined factors, I think that's what schnushed, uh, Wendell and Wilde over to the side. A little bit. <laughs> um, and also I think it's, it was a very provocative movie. I think they might have. In, that's true it, yeah. it, it did not hold back on any of its messages no i mean talk about the big big year for hating on the catholic church in yeah. uh in stop motion netflix movies <laughs> coming yeah. out within like two months of each other because both wendell wilde and pinocchio if did i that. had two <laughs> <laughs> i had a nickel yeah yeah exactly um 
What 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 else? What else came out this year? Yeah, that... um, different stuff that popped up. There was the bad guys in a similar respect of DreamWorks beginning to really get its groove back. I thought that was it. Didn't hit the heights of Puss in Boots for me, but it felt a lot more like a. Oh, I think DreamWorks could definitely be back. I think DreamWorks like, is back. Well, yeah. they they had the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, which was you know incredible and like. Yep. Yeah, but honey, that ended in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a little bit. Actually, Me- was it 2018? No, it's 2019. It's 2019. I think so, when did, yeah. when did we both go see it and sob like babies? <laughs> right, exactly. But there, there, there's sort of a feeling, I think, for sort of maybe besides those films, there weren't any, like, huge standouts that came out. It was the boss, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I think I think uh, DreamWorks is definitely... And I, I, I would include a... a she-ra in that as well and the new dreamworks assance yes like i think i think they've really uh in coming back into their own and speaking of guillermo del toro i, I haven't seen it but i heard troll hunters is quite good that's true i know i know del toro uh was a executive producer yeah on, and it like, apparently the troll hunter was, trilogy yeah it's like several tv shows yeah. um and from what i've heard him talk about it he was actually a very involved executive producer not one of those guys who just like puts his name on it and that's like yep i made a show but like yeah. he came in like twice like seemed like it was actually a project he cared quite a bit about and put his put his fingerprints on yeah um some other films uh that came out this year um uh sadly i haven't seen my father's dragon yet i still haven't either i really need to see it (laughs) we we were going to see it and then i got sick um and then we haven't seen it (laughs) well you know what i i think i'm i'm katie and i had on our list to to talk about for the pod at some point so i'm gonna see it soon maybe i'll see it with you um, that's uh, when, whenever you need to watch it, let me know. Yeah, we should it. see it. Cause I, that was, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned on, I think I mentioned it, uh, in our Wolf Walkers episode on, on this show, but I, I was a big fan of the book as a kid. It was definitely one of those childhood favorites. I got you to read it. You um, did. It, it, it's, it has such a charm to it. It's very charming. I think, I think part of it, you know, not, not that I'm saying like, oh, you didn't get it, but like, I think part of it is like, you like, it's it's hard to quantify the joy that like a truly nostalgic thing yes. brings to you. That's something that you grew up with brings. Um, I I have the same thing with these two little books, uh, Gaspard and Lisa, mm-hmm. um, that are very clearly like very young like books for like you know three four year olds, um, but they're just so gone gosh darn sweet yeah. and so cute. Mm-hmm. They're little half rabbit half dog anyway <laughs> sounds like animaniacs um, uh, you know speaking of things that are deeply nostalgic to me growing up that are animated movies that are not on this list lyle lyle crocodile oh what I, were you gonna say i thought you were gonna say chip and dale that too rescue that did come out this year i i i we we should talk about that i just i just wanted to get my lyle lyle crocodile hatred out I, I haven't seen the movie, so it's not fair for me to rag on it. So I, I heard it was mediocre, too bad. Um, but I really liked those books as a kid. And yeah. I am frustrated that the movie seemed to be so mediocre and bad. Anyway, Chip and Dale, <laughs> Rescue Rangers. Yeah, that was another really good movie. Yeah. I, I think that had enough animation that could have possibly been counted. I, I think it's on the so. Edge. It's it's it feels much more on the edge especially because there's so much more active live action characters yeah but i, don't know, um, I think still seven if the goal is only 75 percent of shots right. have animation i feel like it counts it's, i i yeah. would say it has as much as marcel 
That's like my fair, gut yeah. instinct tells me it has as much as Marcel. Yeah, I guess the thing is Marcel almost it does a better way of hiding it that it's a a, a real world. Besides for you know when sixty minutes comes in, yeah, like, there, that's there are kind... fewer just humans walking yes. around versus uh, Rescue Rangers, which is definitely meant to be the spiritual successor to something like Roger Rabbit. Yes, um, and yeah. it it does so in a very surprisingly great way. I, like the way I I do not know what kind of strings that this you know direct to Disney Plus film was able to get and pull, but. They have some deep cuts. I, I think it's fair to say everyone knows about Ugly Sonic by now. Yeah, we also, I think we did a pod on it, so you can... Oh, we did? Yeah, oh, okay. I, well, I did. You did. You weren't here, but yes. I was yeah. there in spirit. <laughs> you were there in spirit. Yeah, just like just like Ugly Sonic was. Which... Oh my god. I still... I I, I want to know the strings, because I think we determined it wasn't the actual asset from uh, no, Sony. No, they, they made it worse. They they did make it worse, but it, it... Well, not Sony, Paramount. Oh, sorry, Paramount. I... Yeah. I don't know why I thought Sony for a second there, um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, I, I think I think I think Disney didn't throw it in the ring because I think they were sort of if they my my guess is they probably had uh, they probably had put forward Lightyear and Strange World just out of a perfunctory we can't not do that and they didn't get it. Um, I would have been shocked if they had put forward. I, I bet they didn't right. even, like, I, I bet it was never even in contention. Yeah. Also, I don't think it, I don't know how many theaters it was in. I don't know what it would qualify That's for. That's a good point. I don't even, I don't think it did the festival circuit. No, I don't think it did. That, that, I think that, that qualifies even less. Yeah. Um, um, in, in a similar it's too bad because it was excellent. Right. In a similar vein of that kind of thing, but I haven't seen, I, I know a lot of people really liked Sonic 2, um, mm. And that probably probably had enough animation as well. Maybe I'm not. Um, I'm less sure about that one. I think it really only does with have, like, Jim Terry. Two... He he takes a lot of screen time. Right. I think it really only did have like a handful of animated characters in an otherwise fully live action exactly. world. So I think that one would have that's, possibly that's been where you're really getting the edge. Yeah. Um, um, there was Hotel Transylvania, Transformania. Oh God, that one wasn't good. We also did a pod on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, did not like that one. Um, there were other ones I know, like Apollo Ten and a Half, which I've, I've heard great I things know, about that. I heard great things about that, and I saw that it got disqualified um, because it was a, uh, a a lot of rotoscoping mm -hmm, uh, for that, its yeah. animation, um, which I guess the Academy doesn't count as animation now. That's which some BS. Is yeah. That that, that to me, rotoscoping should count equally as much as stop motion. Like if we're yes. counting stop motion as animation, rotoscoping we should count. Like, Absolutely. The level of artistry is the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the the differences between you know with a with a two D film and with a rotoscoping is a lot smaller versus a two D film and stop motion. Yeah. If that makes sense. I like, yeah I completely agree. Um. Yeah, and you, you have some other foreign films as well that mm -hmm. um, some of them haven't made, made their way over to the U.S. yet. Like um, Bell was technically the year before, right? Bell was the year before. Okay. Um, we did like that. The, the one, the one film that sort of stands out is like we'll see if that ends up being a contention for next year. Actually, is Suzume, mm. which is by the director of Your Name. Um, I've been waiting multiple months. Um, it's finally coming out in April, Ooh. so I think they they realized we're not going for this year, so we're going to start immediately at the you know start of next year's cycle, and we're going full in on that. So hey, they're coming for you, wish. Let's see what happens. Uh, we'll we'll see. I, I and elemental. 
<laughs> which might be good. I, I, I have high expectations, but also a little bit of high hopes for Wish. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, if they, they're, they're hyping up their animation style, we haven't seen it yet. It really is all going to come down to that first trailer. If this looks like every Disney film, but just a little bit different, it's going to be disappointing if they delve into that Puss in Boots, Spider-Verse, Arcane, right. you know, I know you, you're saying, you, you know, some people are very peeved by people saying, oh, it's like Arcane. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand why. I mean, I think saying it looks like Arcane is a high compliment. Arcane right. is gorgeous. Yeah. Like there, there, there's lots of gorgeous ways to do this style of animation that have been done. And it's okay if Disney is playing a little bit of catch up. Uh, what oh, matters yeah. is that if Disney puts their all into it and can somehow surpass a lot of these different things with its style. Sort yeah. sort of similar to the the revolution in CG, I think. Yeah. There was a revolution in CG that happened where there were a lot of different studios out there doing CG. But when it comes to, you know, uh, CG animation in the 2000s and the 2010s, you went to Disney and you went to Pixar, mm -hmm. which was under Disney. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think Disney frequently is sort of the late arrival on a lot of trends. And I think I think this this goes far back. I mm. think it it goes back, you know, it, it definitely, you know, in the earliest days it was the front runner. Um, but I think it, you know, it started started taking a backseat uh, towards Warner Brothers when it didn't have as strong comedy. It started, you know, started to have, you know, come back from that in the sixties and seventies and sort of came out on top there. Then it was sort of falling behind like that sort of like Don Bluth sort of grand scale uh pictures in the in the 80s and early 90s and then it came back with disney renaissance yeah and then dreamworks and pixar were you know the masters of cg and then suddenly disney feature started making feature films of equal quality so i fully anticipate that even though disney is definitely a little bit late to the game on this new graphic style and you know sony got there first and then you know dreamworks has been doing their thing and even pixar has been dipping their toes in i i have high hopes that if you know the trend continues. I think Disney's version of it, even if they came a little late, is going to be very good. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious to see what the race will be for next year. I think yeah. we're going to see everything that spans the gambit. I think we can see Suzumi. I think we can see Wish. I think we're going to see across the Spider Verse. And oh yeah, Spider Verse! I, I think there's going to be some surprise hits in there that we we didn't expect. I didn't expect the Sea Beast to you know get nominated to make it as far as it did i'm curious what those you know fourth and fifth films are going to be you know those yeah. those ones that just sort of eke it in that you know act as those surprise hits if is there something that comes out of the woodwork to become in a similar respect that puss in boots yeah. um cultural zeitgeist moment yeah, I feel, um, yeah, I feel like there's, you know, there's going to be some good ones coming up. Like, we got, again, as I mentioned, Elemental, too, I think. Elemental, might, yeah. Might be very good. We'll I'm, see. I'm curious. I, I need to see more of Elemental. Yeah, to, we've to only know. gotten the teasers. We'll have to yeah. find out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, this is this is a good year, and I'm I'm you know we'll find out on Sunday night which one is is the one to win. But on, I think these are all winners. You know, I will be as I said before, I will be happy if any of these win. Like there is yeah. no there is none of these five that could win that I would be like you didn't deserve this win. Yeah, like, there there is they're all good. Th there isn't a disappointment I'm gonna feel no. 
Um, I'll feel surprised if some I'll of them I'll be surprised. Do. If, like, Marcel or Seabeast wins, I'll be like, oh, wow, that's surprising. But yeah. I will be, you know, happy for them nonetheless. There's right. a ton of work and love put into all of these. Yeah. None, none of these feel like corporate cash-ins. None of these feel like, you know, something that, you know, just was thrown out because some studio said they had to do it. Every one of these is an absolute labor of love, and people put a lot of effort and love and kindness into this. And best of luck to all the nominees um, and this is the only category I actually care about in the Oscars. <laughs> I, I, I really am going to watch for this one category. I hope it's late in the night. Because <laughs> otherwise I might just, like, you know, take a doggy bag full of snacks and leave. Oh, don't leave. But I might. We have you over, though. Okay, fine. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't piss you off on this podcast any more than I already have. I gotta, yeah. I gotta stop that trend. Come on, you, you got, you got, you gotta stay for the whole Oscars. I'm gonna stay for the whole Oscars. I'm gonna stay for the whole Oscars. All no right, worries. there's, there's food. There's food. We got a lot of good food coming. I was which like, I hope that you are all also having currently as you sit down and prepare to turn on that red carpet, see who's gonna walk on by, gonna see if. Marcel's waddling in. Oh my god, I hope Jenny Sleep brings like a little Marcel with her. <gasps> that would be amazing. I bet they wouldn't even show her on the red carpet though cuz they never show the uh the uh they never show the animated nominees on the red carpet. No. Boo. Well, <laughs> well. Anyway, Jack, thank you so much for for coming on the pod and and joining us to talk about all these wonderful films. Really appreciate having you on here. It is my pleasure. I I love all these films. May the best one win. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's pop back into the cartoon time machine. We can start watching some of these and have an Oscars marathon until uh, until the big night. Sounds like a plan. Let's go do it. Uh, thank you all for listening. I'm Scarlett. I'm Jack. We are today your animates, and I at least will see you next time, and Jack will come back when he can. I'll see you sometime. And he'll see you sometime. <laughs> <laughs>